You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. My last uh, few messages on Sunday nights, I want to get to a place, I'm not sure when uh, the best Sunday night is going to be to preach a message about um, an incoming pastor, and I think it was too soon tonight to do that. Uh, I I know that, I think I've shared this with you already, that our closing on our house is March 15, and so we'll probably be here a week or two after that, I'm guessing, so near the end of March, it's looking like, just seeing how the Lord works things out and when the jets can get up here and so forth, we'll determine that because I'd like for there to be some kind of a transition Sunday for us. But um, so how to to treat your pastor, and and I, man, this church, I feel like could write the book on that, um, has done so well and so good and have been so good to us. And then I'll just share some thoughts with you from my heart in a week or so. It's going to be a couple, three weeks now um, on that subject. So with tonight... just really searching the Lord yesterday about what would be good for tonight. I'm going to go back to a passage I've been in, I'll bet a dozen times over the years, and it's Daniel chapter 1. Probably have preached a message very similar to this, although these were the exact thoughts the Lord gave me uh, yesterday for tonight's message. I probably have preached a message similar in title to this. I for me to go back in my books and start trying to find all the sermons I preached out of Daniel would have been too many hours, but um, t- tonight's message, I'll entitle it, How to Deal with Uncertain Changes in Your Life. How to Deal with Uncertain Changes in Your Life. I know last Sunday night's message from Ecclesiastes was somewhat similar in some ways, but um, every passage of Scripture, as we've talked about it before, turns the diamond just a little bit and you get a new facet of truth from every different passage, all of them complementary to, of course, um, the same principle. But how to deal with uncertain changes in your life. And if anybody, guys, if anybody ever experienced drastic change in their life was Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I don't know how it could have gotten any more of an upheaval Uh, for them than what they had happened to them in their life and yet to watch how God blessed those men something in their hearts maintained rightness that allowed them to not just make it because a lot of us just we just want to make it if I can just get through this um, these guys didn't just make it and get through this they flourished they did tremendous Uh, they, they made it to the top. They, they rose up above all the other, the scum that was in the land that they were trying to, to make it in. They were, they were at the top. I mean, they would go back to the bottom, and then they would come back to the top. And it's amazing how um, they dealt with, uh, some people say, navigating uh, changes in your life and things of that nature. But how, how should we deal with our changes? We definitely have them coming to us in some ways. Not necessarily bad changes, just different 
for all of us and can be, can be difficult. So I want to go back to familiar verses. None of this will be new to probably any of you, unless you're newly saved, but I've preached from this passage many times. So let's go back to verse 1, Daniel chapter 1 and verse 1. And those first very familiar eight verses, all right? In the year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, uh, into his hand. So Israel is being taken away with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God, small g God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes. So notice uh, the kind of lineage these guys have. Certain of the, um, the, the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes. Children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So we'll pause there and pray. And God, Father, I thank you again that uh, we can know that you are the God that's uh, the God in our life, no matter what is going on, and no matter if we do have the storm clouds, that you're in control and you are shining brightly and your plan is working perfectly in our lives no matter what changes might come to us and no matter how you might shift the gears in the speed that we might be going or put what looks like a detour which in reality is the exact will of God for us to turn and to change places maybe And sometimes as human beings in that vehicle we're traveling, God, you know how we are bouncing around, sliding from one side to the other, not understanding why such sharp turns, why such changes when things seem to be going so well. And I pray that you'll help us to follow in Scripture some of the great examples of men and women that have been uh, stood up before us as tremendous examples to try to follow some of the pattern that they have given to us. And so we look to you and pray that you'll bless your own word tonight. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So 
one of the first things I wanted us to just stop and take a look at, you may personally in your home life, work, or some other situation might be going through some major changes also, may have nothing to do with what's going on here at church. Um, from time to time, if you look back over last year, the last five years, whatever, uh, all of us have faced changes. There's no doubt about that. And um, honestly, some of the times God changed things in my life, I didn't want to change. I, I felt like things were going so good the way they were. And I would have been perfectly content to have stayed where I was, in the place I was at, maybe in the church that I had been attending at the time, uh, the job I had been working, my circle of friends that uh, we had grown tight and uh, <clears throat> had some camaraderie, and I was really enjoying uh, portions of my life and did not understand why God would change them so drastically. And maybe, maybe some things like that, have, I'm sure, they've all happened to all of us. We've all faced those kinds of things. It's not new. Uh, anybody that's lived any length of time, and anybody that's really tried to serve God, uh, you're going to find that change is going to be a part of your life. Uh, sometimes the change is very exciting and very encouraging, and we like the kind of change that can come um, you know, at some times. But many times, we don't understand the hand of God, and why is He doing this? Or why is God allowing this? Are you not watching what's happening while these things are shifting as if God has turned his head away from us and, and while that's happened, things are turning around down here and we don't like that and God, can't you wake up and you know, uh, help us out down here? And the whole time the hand of God has been right over the top of everything, uh, guiding and directing and making sure that those changes that are happening in our life are working out the perfect will of God for us. Um, we don't always understand the ways of God. We're just human. If I understood everything about God, if there was no question marks in my mind about a holy God, and if I understood every little tiny facet of the Word of God, I would be God. <laughs> but I'm not, and you're not, and He is. And He understands it all. And so some things are going to be turned in directions that he looks way down the road and understands if I continue to allow this vehicle of their life to go in this direction, they, they have no idea what's awaiting them up there, and, and I don't want that to happen to them. I'm going to turn the corner, or the best in life for them is on this direction. And if they continue down this comfortable path that they're enjoying so much, the nest, the nest that is so nice and cozy for them, uh, if I don't turn this corner, they're going to miss my best for them. They won't understand it. It won't even feel good at the time. But God will turn that corner for us. It's happened to us many times. And again, I don't understand some of the very drastic changes that God allows to come to us in our life. For instance, with Daniel, what's painfully obvious is that these were not changes that Daniel wanted. I'm sure Daniel was very content with where he was living. And I think a young man, and he was a very young man, uh, probably enjoyed the friends that he had developed back in the homeland of Judah and Israel, and probably had really enjoyed the kind of work that he had, and was very familiar with, you know, the foods and things that they ate. And God changed all of that, and I mean very drastically changed all of that. Uh, first of all, his homeland was sacked by the enemy. And 
I have no idea what that would feel like. I have no idea what it would have felt like in Europe and in places during World War II when Germany and Hitler's machinery was rolling into territories and wiping out cities and towns and we're moving on to the next town and for me to be in a house as maybe a little child wondering uh, what is all the bombings and mom and dad's scared like I've never seen that happen before and to have them holding us tightly and just praying and I don't know what that would feel like and and they went through that they went through the fear of knowing that some of their daughters would be taken and ravaged and their wives would be taken and ravaged and their sons would be taken off into uh, slavery and that some of the dads would be slain. That's what was in their minds. They'd seen and heard about it many times. You talk about change that he knew was coming. Uh, He's taken from his homeland, from Israel, from Judah, that beloved land that we have read so many times that flowed with milk and honey and things were so good and and life was so nice and and why do things have to have such an upheaval these weren't plans that daniel had or really enjoyed or wanted they're on heathen dirt now heathen dirt it's said that when the jews would leave their homeland and would cross over into um, territory that was not jewish that on the way back home before they would step across the border into their homeland, they would literally stop and pick their feet up, dust the dirt off of them from the heathen land so they wouldn't carry the filth into homeland. It was was home to them. It It was holy land to them. And here he's been taken to have to live on that land, heathen land, wicked people in his mind, and they were. Uh, he's in a land with a whole different language. I feel that way when I stand around and try to talk to the teenagers. <laughs> I try to grasp all that they say and, and learn all that they are meaning, and they've got these little words that mean things that didn't used to mean those things, and I try to talk back to them, and I know I said something foolish, but I feel like I'm in a different land <laughs> with a different language. But oh my goodness, can you imagine the difference in their language? not knowing how to communicate, not knowing how to tell someone you're sick or any number of things that you needed to be able to express. Um, He submitted to a completely different culture, which would include the, the, the mode of worship, how these Babylonians would worship these little gods that they would pull out and sit on the counter and bow down to these little stone things rather than go before a temple and know that you are before a holy God I don't know what it would be like to be taken from this land and be submitted to the kind of worship that goes on somewhere else in another country around the world and not get to come to the house of God like this. I can't imagine that. You talk about changes. Daniel knew what changes were, and and they all were coming at him, and they were all affecting his mind and his heart, and his, his emotions no doubt were so stirred up I mean, the way people joke in other countries is different. I remember Bart Dame. Does anybody remember Bart and Janice Dame from Montana? Uh, Came to our church a lot of years ago, and they were going to Barbados. And he said, uh, the people in Barbados are so, uh, so he said they're odd, uh, though he wanted to win them to the Lord. He said, what what is so funny to them? Um... Something that's amusing to them is when somebody gets hurt. 
They will just fall on the ground, beating the ground, laughing. That's the funniest thing. Guy falls and he broke his leg. Oh, the funniest thing in the world. Kind of weird in some cases, although I know a few people that laugh when others get hurt around here. But, I mean, that's large scale over there. You imagine going to a land like that. His whole rank in society was drastically changed. The leadership of his country has drastically changed. Nothing's the same. Nothing. There's a lot of changes that came before him. But something happened in that man's heart. While he was in a strange country, something very familiar started to burn in his heart. And there was a conviction that was determined by him. You saw it in verse 8. Would you go back down there with me? With, with all those changes pressing in upon a young man's heart, with his mind and his heart and soul and his emotions being so stirred up that we can't even fathom what that was like, with all those changes, here's what he said in verse 8. But Daniel purposed, notice the wording, in his heart, that he would not defile Himself. Did you see what his desire was? Didn't want to be defiled with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So if you can listen for the next few minutes here, I want to really try to share what I think was going on in this young man's life. Brought a lot of conviction to me and really stirred my heart. But if all those things, guys, were going on to you tonight, we wouldn't be sitting in these pews. We'd be in somebody else's land in stark fear and holding our children closely to us and wondering what's the next thing that might happen to us. What would your thoughts be? Would, would it be what happened to him? Would something that goes a lot deeper than the surface of our flesh and the thoughts of our mind begin to be stirred up in your heart? And would, would the very you know, prick of God in your heart and soul be what begins to be stirred? Man, I hope and pray that's what would happen to me. But in the strongest of terms, Daniel didn't want this to allow his heart to break what was the obvious commitments that he had made to God years ago. It was obvious. He's not sitting here with all these Troubles going on and all these changes happening in his life, deciding to develop a few convictions in his heart. Rarely do you develop convictions while mountains are crumbling around you. Typically, your convictions are made on a day when you're alone with God and God speaks to your heart and the Word of God begins to burn in your heart. You sense His presence with you. You begin to make some commitments to God that no matter what comes to you in your life, God, I want to live by these convictions and that you are a God that is worthy enough for me to live by those convictions. Somewhere in little Daniel's life, and he's already still a young man at this point, so obviously when he was a young boy, I'm guessing mom and dad... Uh, counselors and teachers got with that young man and looked him in the eyes didn't let little things distract him but got into that little guy's heart that God was real and he was worth giving his life to and that when you serve a living God that God can do unbelievable things in your life and I imagine little Daniel began to practice that and began to do things Uh, 
I, I was, uh, she's not here. So I was coming into the church to pray one morning. It was dark in here. And um, Judy and Mia were here. And it was a little later in the morning than I would typically pray. But I wanted to get my prayer time in. And, and I started to go into the auditorium. And she comes zipping out of there, uh, the office on her little scooter. Pastor, where are you going? I'm going in the church to pray. Because she doesn't exactly know what prayer is yet. And I said, I'm going to go in there and ask God for some things. And so I said, is there anything you'd like for me to ask God for, for you? Well, I did want a trike at one time. And I said, I'll, I'll ask for you. <laughs> and if I can, I'm going to get her one somehow. I did come in here and I walked circles praying to God about a lot of things. But one of them was, God, would you give little Mia a trike? <laughs> she just can't ride him here in the church or where she's at. So it's going to have to wait till another time. I've got an idea. Little Daniel had prayed to God and had seen the hand of God doing things in his little life wasn't for tricycles and it wasn't for maybe the best slingshot that, that, that's in the neighborhood. But I got an idea. He prayed for things and saw the hand of God begin to work in his life. And he had developed some convictions between him and God. And he saw that, that prayer worked even when times were bad, that I could still pray and God would bless and would work things out in my life. And that when times were scary in the little boy's life, and I've had lots of those little uh, times in my life when I was younger where I was so fearful and, and I didn't know what was going to happen. And uh, I've, I've said many times that um, I was, um, during the Vietnam era, you know, as that war was really building and, and uh, lots of uh, men uh, just a few years older than me had gone into battle, I just knew, I felt so strongly in my heart that if I went into the Vietnam War, I wasn't going to come out alive. I just, that, I don't know why that was so vivid to me. And I can't tell you how strong that caused me to pray to God. And I'm sure he had lots of little fears in his heart and, and wondering how things were going to work out. And he learned to turn to God with those fears and felt a calmness and a peace come over his heart and soul. I'm going to tell you that'll build conviction in your heart. That'll build a relationship like you've never had before when you pray and you see the hand of God come into your heart and bless you and strengthen you and turn things in your life to help you. And that young man has now come into a foreign land and a foreign territory. And while everything in that little guy's life had now changed, and now he's a young man, though still a young man, Though all of life's circumstances had changed for him, old fears, no doubt, began to be kicked up. And, and desires like he remembered desiring when he was a young man started to burn in his heart. And something turned in his heart and soul. And he remembered that when I got in times like this as a young boy, whenever I would turn to God and pray to God, God would reach down and touch my heart and would, would help me and strengthen me. And something began to burn in that young man's heart as he looked around this foreign culture and all this food that was being brought to him and things that 
Uh, he had never eaten before because he'd made commitments to God and things that would no- normally defile a young man was set before him. And his heart began to burn inside of him and he began to pray to God and beg that God would help him to know how to live out his convictions of heart so that he wouldn't lose that fellowship with, with God. His life wasn't just gauged by a set of God's rules that he'd had to knuckle under to. God was so much more to him than just a name that popped up every now and then in the Ten Commandments. That's about all God is to much of Christianity. A name that pops up while I'm reading the Bible every now and then. God was so much more to him than just a name in the Bible. He was somebody that lived in his heart. Daniel had had a personal encounter with God that had changed his life. No longer was he satisfied with this rigid Uh, harsh Israeli religion. Daniel had gone beyond religion and found that there was an amazing God behind all those words and all those practices of the Hebrew worship. There's a real God that's there. There's a God that changes lives. There's a God that gets into your heart and settles your emotions and calms and stills the storm that's in your life. Nothing in life compared to it and at all cost. Daniel was not going to lose that kind of a relationship with God. He purposed in his heart, I'm not going to defile myself. I'm not going to let those things that would rob the the blessing of God in my life, I'm just not going to let those things happen to me no matter where God allows me to be found in life. There's only one thing in this life that's worth giving everything we have to try to keep it, and that's our relationship with Jesus Christ. Before we met him personally, guys, you know like I do, the Bible was just a set of rules. God was just a name, like to Daniel probably, to others in Daniel's day. Uh, God was just a name that popped up in the Bible every now and then. Church was just something that good moral people, you know, did. You go to church. You felt better by going, but it really never changed the darkness in your heart. You knew the Bible was the Word of God, but that's where God's Word always stayed in the Bible It never got into your heart. It never really uh, made changes in your life that were so badly needed. But you know as well as I do, one day, the God of that Bible seemed to jump right out of that book. And he showed you who you were and what you could be. God came into your life, into your heart and soul. And you know that there was a change that happened that nothing else could compare to it. The world has nothing like what happens when God comes inside. And now there's life, and and there's purpose, and there's joy, and there's fellowship like you've never had before. You may have had best friends, you know, BFFs, I guess think that's what they used to say at least. (laughs) But nobody compares to the relationship that you have with God now. Nobody. My wife and I will talk about how down through the many years, married 40 years, how we've grown together and we think so much alike, and she agrees so much more with me now. Um, <laughs> we've just grown in the Lord so much together, and we love each other more now than we have ever at any time in our life. But I think she knows without doubt, and I know about her, that I love God more than her. She loves God more than she loves me, and I like it that way. It should be that way. So Daniel is willing to do anything to keep from losing 
that closeness, that relationship with God. So that request is made by him in verse 8. He purposed in his heart he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank. So therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Listen, I, I don't want to... I don't want to eat those things. And why don't you want to eat these things? It's the best in the land. Well, what you don't understand is where I'm from and my worship of my God, we don't eat those things. God has commanded us not to eat certain things. And uh, Daniel knew that to eat meats that a Jew was not supposed to eat would defile him or make him ceremonially unclean before God and not able to walk in fellowship with God like he should. So first of all, these meats may be from some of the you know, forbidden animals that the Jews couldn't eat. Or it could be some meat that had been offered to a, one of their heathen idols. And so they, uh, they didn't want to, he didn't want to eat any meat that had been given, you know, in a sacrifice to a foreign idol and make somebody else think that those idols were something at all. Who knows the real reason uh, or the, the, the outer reason? I believe the real reason was because Daniel did not want to make himself unclean before God. He knew to be ceremonially unclean would break the fellowship with God, and he wouldn't. Uh, he would. He would have to suffer uh, the greatest loss, the greatest fellowship, and the greatest blessings in his life if he would defile his life. Daniel knew that when changes came to his life, which were inevitable, that some of those changes would challenge his convictions for God. Can you hear that last sentence? Please hear that again. Daniel knew that when changes came to his life, which were inevitable, that some of those changes would challenge his convictions for God. He had enough discernment gained by his fellowship with God to know that life necessarily brings changes, but changes should never affect our fellowship with God. I hope we can remember that. Changes must come, but changes should never affect my fellowship or break or defile the fellowship that I have with God. There's just something about change that prompts the inner man to begin to lose a grip on God. It just does. It shakes. It makes uh, the grip feel like it's loosening up. Changes comes to us. And and that once firm grip that I felt like I had on God, uh, we seem to be losing that grip. And the closeness to God seems to fade sometimes. Satan loves to use those opportunities to try to work into our heart. Happens all the time. I've had people come to church here, uh, visitors, and I've met them and, and excited to have visitors and ask them who they were and where they're from and asked if they'd ever been in a Baptist church before. Oh, been uh, members of a independent Baptist church down in, they'll name another state and town. Members there for years, went every service. And they said, we're here in Sioux Falls now trying to find a church. And I said, well, great. How long you been in Sioux Falls? Oh, about three years. And I'm like, oh, oh, so you're already in a church right now and you're just, you're just looking around again? No, we just haven't found one yet. Not been real faithful, and, and just uh, it's time that we get back into church. And I'm like, that's happened many, many times over the years. Many times. How does that happen? Change. Left a town, left a home front, left a church that was just everything they wanted, you know. You know what it's like when you leave a church that you've been a part of for many years and you're so familiar with that, and you just can't seem to find one just like it, and you'll never find one just like it. 
just get in and find one that worships God in the right way and, and, and get started. It's just during changes when your grip on God seems to be loosened for some reason. High schoolers, will walk, they'll graduate from high school, walk out those glass doors, and the other one's out the other side, and they never come back. How does that happen? Change is happening in their life all the time. Change has a way of challenging us to somehow to hit the reset button in our heart and maybe think things through, you know, and, and maybe these, uh, these things about God and, and all these strong convictions I've had, maybe they weren't everything they were always uh, meant to be. I, I've, I've heard that and seen that so many times with young people. And guys, if we don't make the proper requests, when change is coming, we could fall into the same trap as the people in the book of Judges where every man was just doing that which was right in his own eyes. Well, it seems like this would be all right, and this should be okay. So what Daniel did was he asked that authority, Ashpenaz, I believe was his name, he asked the authority in his life if he could refrain from eating those things that would ruin his relationship with his God. He did not want to lose that for anything. So during change, guys, gals, you better get with the authority in your life, and that would be God at this point. And ask him to help you not to defile your relationship with him. Ask God when, uh, when change comes to your life and, and Satan is challenging you to, to hit that reset button and, you know, rethink these things through all over again, you know. God, help me to stay committed to you. Please get a hold of God, your authority in life, and beg God, request to the Lord that God would help you not to defile yourself in this, the things of this world or in the change that's happening to me. God, please don't let these things of this world draw me away from that relationship that I have in my heart with you. You need to learn during times of changes that God is still in control and that God can lead my heart no matter where I'm at. When you can see things in your life have flipped upside down and nothing seems to be normal to make sense anymore, please ask God to hold you closer and to stay in fellowship with Him as never before. I really believe that's what Daniel was doing. He just purposed in his heart. Those convictions began to rise up inside of him in the middle of all these changes and said, there's one thing I cannot let change in my life. That's my relationship with God. I can promise you this, I am not going to enjoy driving away from Eastside Baptist Church and then Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I'm not going to enjoy that. Um, I'm going to miss it horribly. It's, I've spent more of my life here than anywhere else. <clears throat> and I'm going to go down to a place where there's things called Texans live and they say y'all and they don't know what you guys means and pop they call it coke everything is a coke down there we'll get a coke no, I'd, I'd like to have a dr pepper yeah well let's go get a coke um okay i i've sat back and i've thought these things through and um tried to see what it's like to walk around a, another church with different faces and different people and the people that usually sits in these places where I, I know if I go to this place in the church so-and-so it's usually going to be sitting right there they're not going to be there uh, it's going to be a very different 
a big change in, in, in our lives. But I can promise you this. I have been spending a lot of time while I have been walking and talking with God, begging God that I would not only maintain my convictions, but they would increase. And that my service to God would be greater. And that the last few years of, that God is giving me and whatever, how many more years he gives me to serve him, that God would allow me to be a man of conviction and serve him with all my heart and soul. Not lose heart, but even be strengthened in heart. And I pray that our church would do the same. I trust that we are already doing that, that this is not something you're just waiting to happen and then, and then hope that everything's okay. Please don't, please don't do that. Would you please, please work in your prayer time and draw from convictions in your heart and <clears throat> just ask God in these times of change when we're so tempted to allow some things that were so strong in our heart to start to slip, please during times of change, like Daniel, purpose in your heart. I'm not going to let myself be defiled. I'm not going to let the things of this world or my attitude, you can name it yourself, so work on me that I lose what I really should have for God. So where are you in your commitment to God tonight? Is God's Word just a set of rules and His book just a book that every now and then mentions the name of God? Has God come into your life and changed you from the inside out? And are you ready when change comes to make the proper requests that will ensure that you never break fellowship with an amazing God because He's a big deal? He really is. And I hope and pray that you allow Him to burn in your heart and let God bless you and strengthen you and give you what you need in times of change. I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads with me, if you will. Our heads bowed and eyes closed. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.